0: I believe that as a leader, I wish that you knew. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And for this morning, I believe that you and I have influence. And I believe that you hold the power to change lives and the power to influence you have. And so turn to your neighbor and please just tell them you have the power to influence. Now with great boldness and enthusiasm, everyone say this, I have the power to influence. You see, we all have the power to influence, and that power can be either used for good or for bad. And that can be a great thing, or it can be a very scary thing for some of us. And in the essence, that is what I wish you would know, that you have the power to influence. God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you created each person uniquely different. We thank you that each and every one of us can influence so many different types of people. Lord God, and I thank you that we are different, that we can reach out to them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that this morning, that all of my words would fall to the ground. But Lord God, that you would speak life into our lives today. Just use me as a vessel, Father God, and let you get all the glory and praise in your precious and holy name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 So the power to influence. And I think that's something that even for me, we don't totally grasp and totally understand. And sometimes we take it for granted, especially us adults. We think that, oh, maybe we don't have to influence people anymore. Or for kids, they think that they're, oh, well, I'm just a kid. I'm just still in high school. I don't need to be influential. But in essence, we have such great power that we can tap into to be greater influences in this entire world. And even with the way society is today, with all the social media, we can influence people by the hundreds at just a simple wall posting that you put at a simple picture that you send on the email or on the internet for hundreds of people to see. And I think if that's something that we would just grasp, that not just leaders can influence people, but you can influence people, we would change this world. You would change the makeup of what our society looks like. We really could. If we really hold true to what God says that we can do. If we truly hold to what God says that we need to do to this world. Because this world is looking for something. People in this world are looking for, you are looking for something, aren't you? We are always looking for something, for someone, for something to impact our life, but we can do something great. And our kids, our little kids, our teenagers, they need you. They need you. And in essence, as coming from the heart of a youth pastor, if you would just understand the impact you make on the lives of teenagers and on the lives of these little ones, I really, really, really doubt we would do some things that we do if we understood the power that God really gives to us. So that is where we're going this morning. And I just believe that God is really testing each and every one of us to live a life that's holy, pleasing to Him. You see, many times people think that leaders are the only ones that can influence people. But in essence, we all, everybody, I don't care how old you are, you can be 5 years old, you can be 14, you can be 50, you can be 80. We can all influence people. Everyone say, me. You see, you have that power. You see, Webster's Dictionary defines influence as the power to change or affect someone or something. The power to cause changes without directly forcing them to happen. That's influence. That you don't even know that you're doing it. But you are totally changing somebody's life. Now think about that. What you do, you are literally changing a person's life. If you really think about it, that's a scary thought. Everything I do, I mean, I'm not trying to tell us, oh, we, we stay in a box so no one can see what you're doing, all right? But if we can just hold on to the fact that, wow, everything I do can literally change a person's life. If you look at the positive side to that, the littlest thing you do, you can make it just a dramatic change in someone's life who's, who's having a horrible life right now. The impact that you and I can have and the power to influence, to change someone's lives, you hold that power. And that's an exciting thing, but it also comes with a big, big responsibility. Big responsibility. You hold the power to change someone's life to go to a negative way of life or a positive way of life. And I don't care how old you are. You are influencing people. You're changing lives. And I think of some positive influences that we have here at Lighthouse. I think of Pop. You all know Pop. He's that elderly man. He's 87 years old. He comes to second service. He lives in New Jersey New Jersey, and he travels here for church on Sunday morning. When I first moved here, I was like, no way. Someone drives from New Jersey. I mean, I know Lighthouse is great, okay? I know Pastor Steve's an awesome guy. But from Jersey, Pop does this on a weekly basis. And he not only does that, he serves in our food bank the first and third Friday of each month. And he also does behind-the-scenes work for the food bank. Another behind-the-scenes work he ushers here. This is a man, 87 years old, who doesn't have to be doing anything. Who could hold on to the things of a lot of us. When we, but when you get to like the, the the elderly ages, we'll say. We think, oh, well, I'll let someone else do it. I'll let someone else do it. I'll let someone else usher. Pop's not like that. Pop's like, I'll, I'll get my hands dirty. Let's go do that. That is a man being an influencer even at the age of 87 years old. He's not sitting in a pew and just saying, well, I've done my time. This is a man who's not just positively influencing The adults, the teenagers see it. The kids see it. At 87 years old, this man is still serving God. Still volunteering at 87 years old. That is the type of people we need to be. to Continuously being a positive influence to the lives that we're around at 87 years old. And he's not doing it to get accolades. He he hates being recognized. He doesn't want any of that. You know why he does it? Because he loves God. And because he doesn't want to do anything else but love God. He loves his life. He loves God. Why not give time to God? I was talking to Jim and Elsie. I didn't realize. I thought he was saved since like birth. Because for someone to be at 87 years old still serving the food bank, I'm like, this guy's got to be a Christian for like years forever. He really hasn't been maybe 20 years. And it's like, really? But that's what God does when he changed your life he creates you into this person that, man, I just want you to love on me. Love on my people. And that's what pop does. And that's the type of people that we need to be. And then I think about, you know, we go 80 years old. Then I think of Jeffrey Maria's daughter, Savannah. She comes up last year, pastor challenges the entire church for the first time to say, you know, I'm going to challenge you guys for for a year. If you read the entire Bible in one year, he'll take us all out to steak dinner. If you do it. When it first all started, some people are like, oh, okay. It's like, they get started, but then we found out that we can listen to it too. We're like, oh, we can listen to it and read it at the same time. That's pretty cool. Savannah comes up and he just questions her. You're like, what are you doing? And she challenged me. I, mean, I don't know if she challenged you, but I know she's influenced me. Like, wow, Savannah, come up and say that she's going to read the entire Bible in a year. Savannah. I don't know how old she is, but I know she's under 10, right? Okay. Under 10 years old. And she's saying she's up here on the platform saying, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. Now, I don't know if she's done it the entire year, okay? And I don't want to put her on the spot or her parents on the spot. But the reality is when she came up and she was excited about it. I mean, she was further along at the time frame that pastor had her come up. It was like maybe a month after pastor announced it. She was like already books ahead from where you're supposed to be. I'm like, What? I'm like, I'm I'm still in Genesis, man. And she's like, she's cruising. And I'm just like, wow, I was just blown away. It doesn't matter how old we are. What we do can change someone else's life. She, in essence, changed the way I looked at it. Like, at first I was like, I don't like certain books of the Bible. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to have to read everything in one year. But in essence, she helped me realize, wow, I should do this. A little girl challenging me, an 87-year-old challenging me, we can challenge each other. We can challenge each other to become better men and women of God that God has called us to be. And I believe that's what our power, that God has given us that power to do. You see, it's those people that are changing lives. They're changing lives for the good. And that's our job, to bring glory to God. To bring glory to God. What Pop is doing, every percentage of it goes to God. What Savannah was doing, every percentage of it goes to God. They're not getting big heads. They're not like, oh yeah, look at me, I read the Bible. Look at me, I servant. No, they're doing it for God. And I, the question I pose to you this morning is: How are you using your power to influence? Are you influencing others to follow God? Are you influencing others to stray away from God? Those are the only two options. You're either pushing people to God, or you're pushing them away. That's it. See, and God addresses the Christians and their influence on the world in Matthew chapter five. So, you want to go there? Matthew chapter five, verses thirteen through sixteen. You see, we've heard this passage of Scripture before, being salt and light. Yeah, we heard it before. I've taught it in youth service and stuff like that. But in essence, God is comparing our influence on this world. He's letting us know this is what you should be like for this world to see. We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be light. He uses the analogy of salt. And I don't know about you, but I don't eat French fries without salt on them. Okay? That's just plain nasty. All right? So French fries without salt is gross. Okay? I wouldn't eat like... Ketchup can't even cover that up. Ketchup is good for almost everything, too, right, guys? All right, but seriously, French fries without salt it's gross. Who's going to want them? I mean, we just went to McDonald's last Wednesday after youth service. I got these French fries. They were nasty. They were cold. They were sitting there, and they didn't have an ounce of salt. And I went up to the cashier, and she just looked at me. She's like, I'm like, good. She understands, okay? But I'm like, seriously, French fries without salt, I don't touch them. I don't even want, I don't want them. I mean, you can make them all day long. So if you, if you want to keep your food, don't put salt on it. Okay. I won't touch it. Or even popcorn without salt. Popcorn without salt is like eating styrofoam. Okay. It's just, you don't do it. Okay. Now I'm sorry if you do it, but for me, I don't do that. All right. And as followers of Christ, God's telling me, if you lose saltiness, who's going to want to be around you? Quite frankly, today in society, the picture of Christianity needs to change. Okay? It really needs to change. Because the people's view of Christianity is totally not Christianity. But that's because people are walking around saying they're Christian and they don't have an ounce of salt on them. Not an ounce of salt is left. And therefore it gives us, those who are salty, those who people like to be around, those who are actually doing what God has called you to do, it gives people like us frustrated. Because no, that's not Christians. That's not what God wants us to be. We're not Bible thumpers. We're not. Jesus didn't Bible thump. Okay? Jesus walked and he influenced people. He influenced the kids. He influenced the adults. He influenced the older people. Okay? He influenced people. Now granted, everyone didn't like Jesus. Okay? Everyone didn't like Jesus. You had the religious people that hated Jesus. So all I'm saying is, we need to be salty. We need to be salty. Jesus was salty. All right? Kind of weird talking like that. But in essence, Jesus brought salt to people. That's why people flocked to him. That's why thousands of people would just go after him. That's why the shorelines were filled with people. He had to get into a boat to preach. Okay? It wasn't because of his good looks. All right? It wasn't because... I don't know, like, like he defeated like, this great person or something. It's because of what he was saying and how he was living. And you and I need to do that. We need to attract people. We need to attract people. And yes, I, like I said, everyone, they killed Jesus. All right? And in essence, you and I are going to die one day. Okay? But the reality is people saw something in Jesus because they saw what really God was like. They saw a faith in Jesus that has never been on this face of the earth ever before. That faith is what drew people to him. Because what Jesus did through faith, he raised the dead, he healed the sick. People flocked to him. So in essence, his power to influence, he reached thousands without social media. Okay? He reached thousands without television. How are we going to influence people? How are you and I going to add some flavor to people's lives? And then he used the analogy of light. And you've heard it before. Darkness cannot stay in the same place with light. Once light is turned on, darkness has to run the other direction. Or darkness has to give way and become light itself. All right? So therefore, as Christians, are you influencing people's lives in that way? That darkness flees. We were talking in our prayer time before. Someone said, you know, sometimes when someone enters the room... There's certain vibes that people give. And we all know these types of vibes. Like when someone enters the room, it's like, oh, is he really in here? Or the ones that come into the room and just liven up the place. Like, yeah, it's exciting to have that person around. Who are we becoming? Who are we going to influence? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the person that walks into the room, walks in the room and all of a sudden is like, oh, great, here he is. I don't mind this, that if I walk into the room and people say, oh, great, here comes the Jesus, dude. I don't mind that. Or here comes the man of the cloth. They called people in college, they used to call that. And I'm like, I don't care about that, okay? Because that means they know who I am and what I stand for, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But who are we influencing? What power? You guys have power. You do. You have power to change people's lives. And whatever work field that you're in, whatever environment you're at, the neighborhood that you're at, you have power to change lives. And too many of us just go home and walk into our front door, close the door, and that's it. Without influencing our neighbors. Without influencing our neighborhood, our community. Or too many of us just go off to work, go into our office, and that's it. No, we need to be able to be influencing people outside of our little area. All right? And we need to be the salt that people come running for. They need you. They need you. Like the people that ran and found Jesus because they were in need, that's what people are going to start doing because true Christianity is about to hit the surface. All right? All right? what God really intended for human mankind to live like Christ is going to hit the surface. And I hope and pray that you and I are those people who are showing true Christianity. That we are the salt that people come running to. And then they can run to you and say, oh, I need you. Because you know what? Every time, every time you practice what you preach, you have not ever given up on the Word of God. You have not ever given up on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday evening. You have not ever Talk dirty. You've not ever done certain things. I need you because right now this world is crazy and I don't know what my next step is. That is why they're going to start grabbing a hold of us, friends. So how are you going to influence people? How are you going to hold that power and say, okay, yeah, I I can do this. I can do this, what God has asked me to do. I can do this to influence people's lives. You see, what do people see in you? Right now, you guys have people following you. Right now, people are looking up to you. And some of you be like, no way, man. Why are people following me? No, there are people following Whenever there's a, that old and young people in the same room, people are looking at you. You can bet your life the younger ones are always looking at the older ones. And unfortunately, the older ones are always looking at the younger ones, pointing fingers. Oh, that teenager over there, you know, or that little kid over there has got to be quiet. Like, unfortunately, we're influencing people, okay? No matter how old you are, why are people following you? Why are people following you? And not only that, What do they see that they're following after? Is it something good? Or are you leading them away from God? That's a big burden to carry, ain't it? To know like, wow, people are looking at me. My kids are looking at me. Or as kids, my parents are looking at me. Wow. That's a big burden, right? But it's not hard with God. It really isn't. If you keep God first, all that becomes easy. If your relationship with God is where it's supposed to be, Your kids will see that relationship with God. Does that make sense? Or if your relationship with God is where it's supposed to be, that's what people see. Because if your relationship with God is great, you're not going to flip off the handle and curse your brother out. You won't. You're not going to do something immoral. You won't. Because you're living for God. Does that make sense? Everything comes down, And this is one of those, it's like, Beck and I talk about it, and we talked about it with pastors. The reality, like, everything goes back to relationship with God. Everything, every part of your life can go back to your relationship with God. The struggles that you're going with, relationship with God. How is that going? Oh, well, I don't go to church every week. We have a discipleship thing with our some of our teenagers, and four of them signed up. And they sign up to, like, live a certain lifestyle for about 12-week period. And that lifestyle is to try to stay pure, stay clean, stay away from... You know, immoral stuff, be, uh, I got scriptures for them and things like that. And we got four students that are walking through it right now. We went up to, uh, to New Holland and you guys have met, have you guys met the town local Gilbert yet? Well, Gilbert is that man who sits on the corner in New Holland. Got that, uh, I don't know if he's got a bike, but he's always sitting on the corner. He's got a cane, he's got no shirt on, long hair. You, you guys have not seen him in New Holland? All right. Well, his name is Gilbert. Get to know Gilbert, okay? Gilbert, we've met him and it's just crazy to me. First thing he wanted to say was, he was like, he was like, oh, don't preach to me. And I was like, well, we're not preaching, man. We just had a few questions. And then we sat there for, Weston's one of our G5 students. What was it, like an hour and a half? I mean, at first it was like, he didn't want to talk to us. And then it was like, bam, everything and anything he wanted to talk about. But there was a moment, he didn't want to read the Bible. He didn't want anything. There was a moment where like, we just felt like a break in the atmosphere, we were going to call it, okay? And it was like, we broke into why he's here. We broke into the fact of, he said he was atheist. And then we finally broke into the fact that he's like, well, can't really be atheist because there's a God for something, you know? And I said, oh, wait, well, you just said you're atheist. You know, you believe there's no God. Well, you know, and then he starts backpedaling and stuff. And I was like, wow. I said, you just professed that you were an atheist, but now you said that there's a God. You're confusing me. But it was just really neat. So I was able to open up the Bible, share a few scriptures. But from the moment we first started... He wouldn't look at us with the Bible. And what's cool is that Weston ended up giving him the Bible. He's like, I'm not going to take that. And he's like, you take it. If anything, remember our faces when you read it, okay? And he's like, well, he's like, I don't know if I'm going to take it. So we just left. I said, Weston's like, I'm just going to leave right here on the side of you. So we went up to in town. We came back. And then, sure enough, the man was gone, and so was the Bible. Okay? So I don't know where Gilbert will end up, but I do know we just influenced his life you know why? Because he thought we were just crazy. I guess he labels all these crazy Christians, okay, who don't know anything and just whatever and always just want to push the Bible at people. But he, our conversations were at such a point where, like I said, there was that breaking point, like he just really, he, like he really enjoyed us. And then it was like he opened himself up to the Bible. That was amazing. And when we left, we were like, you know what? At first I was like, he was so bitter against the government, so bitter against our county, so bitter against all this stuff. And I don't know where he's at. But the cool thing is, the cool thing is that we just made an impact in his life that hopefully he'll say that at least he met four people who showed him Christ's love. And that is what we need to do. Show people Christ's love and the real way that Jesus would do it. Does that make sense? And that's the salt. And I hope that, and we told him where we were at, and he said that's too far for him to get down here kind of thing. He's an elderly guy. He's got some health issues and all this stuff. But the reality is, what do people see in you? And why are they following you? You see, raise your hand if you have social media. Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all that jazz, okay? Uh, most of us, I would say 90% of us in here probably have some kind of mobile device on them too that, that get instant updates and stuff. Social media, it's a good and a... Net, it drives me crazy, let's just say that, okay? There's parts of it that I like, but then there's parts of like, I'm so sick of social media. But those with social media... You don't just have one. Like you have Facebook, then you have the Twitter, then you have the Instagram. Like you can't just have one, right? You have to have, and then they could all link up and everything can post at the same time and all that stuff. But here's the thing. Social media, I really can't stand it. Like If I was not in a ministry, I don't think I would have one, to be quite honest with you. And that's just, I'm just being honest, okay? I like it because I'm able to see people, connect with people. But in reality, you use social media, you really find out who people really are. You really do. And the weird thing is people don't think that. It's like this weird world, let's call it. It's like this real, weird social media world that people think they could post anything and put anything on Facebook or Instagram, and they feel like that's not really who they are. But you just said it. You, know, you just posted it. It drives me nuts. You said that on Facebook. What do you mean that's not who you are? Well, you know. So, but anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. But with the social media, you can follow people all day long. All day long, you know what's going on in people's lives. So all day long, guess what? You're being influenced by people. And not just anymore. Like, it's not like back in the day, like back in the, let's say to the 1800s, okay? There was no social media. You know who you influenced? It was the only people that was in your own little small hometown, and you probably lived far from that town. Okay, so your little sphere of influence was not very big. So people back then, yes, life probably was a little easier in that point, but... Well, people back then didn't have to be influenced by hundreds of people either. So this is where I'm going with this. You and I have social media at our fingertips. Those who are on social media, you are influencing people by the hundreds, by what you post, any pictures that you take and put up there, okay? You are influencing people. People are following. People's lives are being changed because of what you do. People's lives are being changed by what you do on social media, People look at certain people and they say, well, this person is this person in church, but then they put this on Facebook. That doesn't make any sense. So, therefore, you know what? I'm going to go towards the Facebook lifestyle. I like what they're putting in Facebook rather than what they say in church. Okay? That's how you're influencing people. You might think, oh, it's just a Facebook post or just a picture. No, it's more than that. You know what I love? Kevin, I'm going to put you on this. I'm just going to shout out to you. Kevin, give it up for Kevin. I love that man. Okay? And let me explain something to you. I go on Facebook. Like I said, I go on Facebook because I have to, to be quite honest. Okay? He's been posting scripture verses almost every day. And not only that, he talks about how great God is and how great he loves his life and what God has done in his life. He has influenced my life by doing that. And who knows how many people else that follow Kevin. He's influencing. Over across. That's the cool thing about social media is that you can influence people in Pennsylvania, in California, in Hawaii, in Africa, wherever there's social media, you are influencing thousands of people. But how are you influencing them? That's the question. Are you bringing them to God or are you drawing them away? I don't want anything to do with that person. What are you doing? How are you influencing people? That is the power you have to change an individual's life to change power into people's lives. That is what God wants us to do. I don't like social media, but you know why I have it? Because hopefully I'm influencing people like Kevin influences me. Does that make sense? I'm hoping I'm doing that. And I doubt I'm doing it for as many people as I probably should. But I'll tell you right now, our job as people who follow God, we need to take every avenue to influence people for Christ. That is our job on this earth. If you're not on social media, it's your workplace, it's your community, it's your home, it's your family. That's for all of us, okay? Our job is to make the positive influence on people's lives, to draw them closer to God. No matter how old you are, it's our job. God tells us to be the salt. God tells us to be the light. And people need to have us. I don't know about you, but when I die, I want people to say, I needed him. I needed him. Now what do I do? I want people to know that they need God, okay? But the con to social media is that you're also constantly being encouraged to follow everybody and their mother. All the advertisements on the sides, everything that's coming into your little notifications, hey, so-and-so, just, you know, so-and-so is following. This you might know. These are people you might want to add as friends. Like social media, the negative way is that they're constantly throwing people at you, constantly throwing people at you. And then so many of us get to, well, okay, I'll add that person as a friend. I'll start being influenced by that person. I'll start following this person. So not only are you influencing thousands of people, but thousands of people also influencing you. That's a powerful thing, friend. The life is not light. It's a hard thing to do. And we need to influence people in a positive realm. It's our job. It's our job. We're humans. God tells us, be salt and light. Start influencing this world. Start using what you have to influence this world towards God. Matthew 18, verse 1 through 7, second to last text. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin? Temptations are inevitable. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? You see, the disciples are so worried about who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus, will I get to sit next to you in heaven? But Jesus goes on and makes his bold statement in verse 6. Jesus tells them that it's children that are the greatest. And then he talks about how we're supposed to be influencing our children. Verse 6, if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a harsh statement. You see, you and I, we don't use millstones. I had to Google millstone to see what it was, okay? But I think there's, there a picture of a millstone? Did he get one? Okay, well, if he did not, some of you guys might know. You're a lot smarter than I am. Uh, it's this big old stone, right? It's got a hole in the middle. And what it does, they attach a donkey or a mule or a camel, all right? With a rope and they would have to, or a rod, and they would have to go in circle to start grinding the grain and all that stuff, okay? Um, and this big old stone. And Jesus tells them, you better watch, and I'm paraphrasing, watch what you do around your kids. If you're influencing them to go away from God, it would be better if you get one of those big old things wrapped around your neck and thrown out into the sea. Why do you think Jesus said that? You know why I think he said that? God doesn't play. Don't mess with God's children. Don't mess with the little ones of this earth. Because when you start messing with them, he says it's better if you just got this big old thing tied around your neck and throw you out to the sea and drown. That would be better than you tempting one of these little ones, one of these little guys, to go... Away from God. Now that's another big burden we have to wear. Adults. Even if you have kids. Even if you don't have kids. Like I said. When you're in a room. And there's little ones younger than you. They're looking at you. They're looking at you. How are you influencing them? How are you influencing them? And so many times. I think parents get to a point. That we think. Oh. Well we've done our job parenting. Now it's their job to grow up kind of thing. Parents, you don't ever stop influencing your kids. I don't care. You don't ever stop. You don't ever stop. You don't ever just turn it over and say, well, I've done my job. I've done my best. Don't ever stop. Because they're looking at you all the time. I mean, I think even my own parents. If my mom, was it a, my mom, we got this joke in my family. My mom always questions my one sister about her relationship with God as far as reading the Bible have you read the Bible today? Oh, and she's grown. She's old. She's got a relationship with God. But it's always a joke because when she was young, I was a teenager. My mom still does it to my youngest sister. Uh, Do you read the Bible? Did you read the Bible today? Did you pray today? Constantly. So just, I was just over there just the other day, and, uh, and my mom said to my sister, Did you read the Bible today? You know, jokingly, just for, haha. But then we looked at mom and we're like, Mom, did you read the Bible and then we were like, oh, are you seriously going to ask mom that question? We all know that. We, we all know she probably read half the Bible this morning. But we were just laughing like, could you imagine if my mom like, said no? Our jaws would have dropped. We'd be like, what? What would end up happening is literally, we don't think this really happens, but it does. If my mom literally said, no, I don't read the Bible anymore. Everything I learned, everything I saw would have no value. So parents, don't stop. Because everything you teach your kids is hanging on what you say. Everything your kids do is hanging on what your kids see. The moment a mom and dad stop influencing their kids, think, oh, they've done their job, those are the families that can't control their teenagers. Those are the families that are in a mess because mom and dad were not strong in their faith. Too many times kids get to a certain age. Okay, well, now they got to make their own decisions. Yes, they make their own decisions, but don't change your decisions. Don't change your lifestyle. If you stayed away from something so your kids don't do it, stay away from it forever. If you read your Bible every day, now your kids are growing out of the house. You don't need to show that you do that anymore. Don't stop because, like I said, if my mom turned and said she stopped, I don't know what I would do, to be quite honest, okay? I don't know what I would do. But adults, if you don't have kids, these little ones here in church, the teenagers in church, they're looking at you. They're looking at you. What makes you different? You could be that example for these guys. Parents, you are the primary influencer to your child. You are responsible to use your power to influence and lead your child towards God. It's not the children's worker. It's not the Sunday school teacher being the children's leader. It's not me as a youth pastor. We cannot fix your kids, if you want to say that, okay? We get your students two to three hours a week. You get your students 166 hours a week. Now, it's not rocket science. Who gets more time with each person's child, okay? But the reality is, parents, church can't fix your kids. And in the same essence, students, kids, church can't just fix your parents. Our lifestyle on how we influence people, changes things. Changes things. Changes people's lives. Webster says, influence is the power to change people's lives without even really knowing you're doing it. We need to influence this younger generation, adults, we need to influence the younger generation to go strong after God. Because if we don't, it's better a millstone be wrapped around our neck and be thrown into the depths of the sea. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to go swimming with a millstone wrapped around my neck. Because Lord knows going to be pretty the reality is we need to take that seriously our little ones are important these right here these three little ones right here need to see how it is to be a man and woman of god because that's what they're going to grow up to be i believe through faith these students right here they need to see role models they need to see men women going after god because that's what they're going to be one day but in the same message children students you got to stop making excuses about, oh, well, my mom and dad don't do that, so I'm not going to do it. It goes hand in hand. Students and kids, you can't make excuses about your moms and dads and like, oh, I don't go to church or I don't go to Wednesday night service. I don't read the Bible. I don't do this. I don't do that because mom and dad don't do it. I'm not going to stay away from alcohol because mom and dad don't do it. I'm not going to stay away from profanity because mom and dad don't do it. Let me explain something, kids, students. It's your life to go to heaven. Your parents can't take you there, but I challenge you to get plugged into the children's leaders. Where they're gonna show you true morals, Christianity, what it's supposed to be like to be a man and woman of God. That is what we use church for, if that makes sense. But it doesn't just happen here. We gotta stop making excuses and influence the people that we're around. Amen? Be the positive influence. Positive influence. You're either positive or negative. You really are. You're either drawing people to God or you're drawing people away from God. And I pray and challenge you that you're drawing many, many people. Our children's, it's important. To see that, First Timothy four twelve. This is for you little ones out there, your students, the kids, anyone who thinks that you are young. It says this: First Timothy four twelve. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, your love, in your faith, and in your purity. So I don't care what mom and dad do. I don't care what your brother and sisters do. You know that you can be an example to all. Everybody say all, all, all believers. Okay, you students, you kids can draw your mom and dad to Christ. It's so much easier for students and kids to draw your moms and dads to Christ. It really is. It really is. But you got to set the example. You set the example. I mean, like I just said, Savannah Savannah was the example and just influenced me. Like, wow, I I need to really get on this Bible reading through the year. But too many times, too many times us adults, we don't really think our actions are a big deal. We don't think that the words that we're saying is a big deal. But it really is. Our younger ones are looking at you like crazy. Our kids are looking at you guys like crazy. And when they see one of us older people doing something, they rationalize, well, then I can do that. This is not something new. This is not something like, oh, my gosh. Wow, Pastor Joe, did you study for, like, years on this? We can influence people? No, I believe we already know this, but I don't know if we really, truly believe it in our heart that we can change a person's lives. Because that's a scary thing. But if you're doing it for God, it's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. That people are going to want to cling to you. Say yes. I want. It's like, it's like they're reaching for the salt shaker. I want you to add some flavors. Add some encouragement to my life. Because you're, so, you're great with words. And, and you're always smiling. Add some of that to my life. We're supposed to add smiles to people's lives. We're supposed to let people know that God can take care of anything and everything, and he will take care of our needs. And we're supposed to be living examples of that. Let's do it so that people start grabbing a hold of us and saying, hey, just sprinkle some salt here because I need you. Come over here because I need to know where I'm going. I need some more light into my path. Shed some light into my life right now. We need to be doing this, my friends. Because like I said, times are crazy. Times will always be crazy, okay? Times were crazy when I was younger. Times are crazy today. Times are going to be crazy in 30 years too. The reality is God doesn't change. The Word of God doesn't change. He still wants to be salt and light. Be the positive influence. Be that positive influence. So in closing, how are you using your power to influence? Are you using your power to influence tempting people to sin? Because the Word of God says that if you tempt people to sin, great sorrow awaits for you. Are you using your power to influence leading children away from God? Because if so, it's better for you have millstone tied around your neck, thrown into the sea. Or are you influencing people to go towards Christ? Are you influencing people in a positive way? That people are like, I need you in my life. What is it that you have? And it's not for any of us to get these big heads like, oh, we're great. But the Word of God says it's so that we can bring glory to our Father in heaven. That is why we do it. It's not because I want to be the best Christian that America's ever seen. I want to be the best Christian the world's ever seen. No, I want to do it because I want people to know God. I want them to see God in all of his glory. So only you can answer it for yourself today. So what I wish you knew is that you have the power to influence. Everyone say, I have the power to influence. Now come on, say it like you mean it. I have the power to influence. I have the power to influence. All right, and I believe you know that. And I believe we're going to see. Lives changed because of you, because of you. There's really no greater place to be than in the presence of God, and there's no greater achievement than to see when someone who was lost who has now been found in Christ. When you see someone come to Christ, you know what I'm talking about. It's like whew, a person's life's changed, turned, fully around, one eighty. What a great joy that brings to you. What a greater joy it brings to our Father in Heaven, because He gets the glory. Amen. So you have power to influence, and I pray and believe that you're going to use it for God's good. For God's good. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you, God, that, Lord, I thank you that you created mankind the way you did. I thank you, Lord God, that we can influence people at a greater scale in the times that we live due to the internet. Lord, as much as it drives me crazy. But, Lord God, I know we need to start tapping into it even on a greater scale. But, Lord God, I pray that we don't be influenced by the world in the process. God, I pray that the salt and light in this church would go forth from here, Father God, that people's lives would be changed. Lord, I believe that this year could be a year where these people that are here right now can influence by the hundreds of people who come to know who Christ is. So God, strengthen each and of us to use the power to influence people, Lord God, in a great and mighty way. And in a great and mighty way that people's lives would be changed forever because they were influenced by people in this room today. And Lord, I thank you for influencing our lives and giving us the Word of God to hold on to. So we love you, Lord, and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.